0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the broken.
1: Jacob was doing that thing where he is holding on so tightly to this thing that he cared most about. And in doing that, you run the risk of losing everything. Everything. I think we understand what that's like being so afraid of losing something that we will embrace that one thing as if we have total control. And if I just hold on very tightly to this one thing, it'll never leave me and it'll be just safe and comfortable and it will be okay.
0: We are told in the Bible that this life is but a vapor. It'll pass quickly. So it's important what we do with it. Sometimes we try to hold on to things that we love or are afraid to lose. But in today's message, Pastor James reminds us that holding on to things too tightly isn't what God wants for us. He desires that we trust Him with the gifts that He's given us in this life. For example, our children, our income, and our health. He desires that you give everything to Him and trust that He has your best in mind. Now, here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis, chapter 43, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: been walking with this, uh, really with this same family for several months now, starting with you know Abraham, and then with Isaac, and then with Jacob, and his whole mess of a family, and crew, and all that good stuff. Uh, but primarily, we've been spending the last couple, well, it seems like the last couple months, focusing in on Joseph, Joseph, you know, and, and his story, and how his brothers sold him uh, into slavery, because they, they were just so filled with envy. Of him because, yeah, his dad was playing favorites and that wasn't, that wasn't okay, it wasn't right. Um, but so they, they got rid of Joseph, and, and Jacob has lived, by and large, in the last 20 years of his life under the assumption that my beloved son is dead and gone. Like Joseph is no more, okay? Um, and so, concerning that family dynamic, you have. Uh, Joseph is out of the picture. He's down in Egypt and the Lord is blessing him. And, and we were walking with him through that whole thing of he, how he ended up in Potiphar's house, how he was just blessed by God with just wisdom and, and kind of business savvy. Uh, and, and Potiphar recognized that and that God's hand was upon him and he was promoted. And he was basically, well, he was second in command in Potiphar's house. And then Potiphar's wife took a liking to Joseph and Wanted him to lie with her and, and went so far as to even to really to physically lay her hands on him. That's called assault. Um, but he ran away. He was a man of integrity. He ran away and all that stuff. And we know that he ended up in prison because of that, unjustly so. But God was with him in prison. Uh, there was the baker and the cupbearer for, for Pharaoh. They had dreams. Joseph interpreted their dreams. God did through Joseph. Um, and Joseph was forgotten for two years. And then he got promoted out of prison and because God was going to use him to interpret Pharaoh's dreams and, and just up the ranks he rose. I mean, in a day, out of prison and second in command over Egypt in one day, one day. So God was with Joseph and, and using him and all that. But the whole time, he separated from his family. The whole time, there's this there's a separation that has happened. And it was because of sin, and not necessarily his sin, but his brother's sin. It was their envy, their jealousness. And that was, again, spurred on by their dad by playing favorites. You can't play favorites. You can't do it. It's not right. It's just not right. But in the meantime, over there in Canaan, you have Jacob, and you have his 11 sons. And things are still not going well for those guys. Those guys aren't really growing in one sense. We, we don't have a lot of information uh, concerning what was happening within their lives as God was working through Joseph's life. There just wasn't a lot. But there's also probably wasn't a lot to work with in one sense. You have, you have Jacob, as we're going to see in, in this chapter that we cover, this guy is still, and it's not like he's still grieving the loss of his son, which he did, and he was right for doing that. But you know how it works with Jacob. We, we know Jacob, he was given a name, Israel, and oftentimes he goes back to Jacob, you know, and Jacob was a man who was really just striving. And I'm going to accomplish anything, I'm going to get it done myself, and I can scheme and I can manipulate and I can connive and I can do all that stuff. That's when he's Jacob, when he's Israel is when he's relying on God, okay? Um, and you'll you'll even see in the chapters that we go through because we're going to cover a lot of ground. But uh, he goes back and forth between Jacob and Israel, Jacob and Israel, just like in my life. You know, sometimes I'm James, sometimes I'm like new creation in Christ. And then sometimes I go right back to James, old man James. You know, but Jacob is still he's he's kind of stuck in this mode of like, woe is me, woe is me. Now he has a right to be grieving and crushed for sure because he lost his son. What's unfair is the fact that you still have 11 other sons, and he turns that favoritism from Joseph onto his other favorite, which would be Benjamin, the youngest. So you can imagine being 10 other brothers who are like, wait a minute, what what about us? What about us? And so the story where we pick up, you have one of his sons that's locked up in prison in Egypt, because they all had to go to Egypt. They had to go to Joseph to get food, or they're going to die. They had to. And so Joseph recognizes his brothers immediately. This was 42. This is what we covered a couple weeks ago. Joseph recognizes them immediately. They have no clue who he is because they think he's, well, he's sold as a slave and he's probably dead. He's probably dead. We'll never see that guy again. We'll never see our brother again. But Joseph knows and he, he, he does some, a little bit of testing for these guys to see kind of where they're at. And he asked them some very poignant questions, questions that he should have never been asking these people. And it should have triggered something in their brains thinking like, why is he asking us about our dad? Why is he asking us about a brother that we have that didn't come with us? They should have put, they should have connected the dots, but they weren't going to. Uh, they just were incapable of doing this at this moment in time. But Joseph tells them, he's like, listen, um, you got One of you has to stay go get your youngest brother and bring him to me. He wanted to see how Benjamin, his, his young brother, was doing. And that's where we go. So forty three, chapter 43, which is where we're at, picks up in that story. And it's, it's comical of how this, how this family, just how dysfunctional it is. Because you would think, if it was me, I would like to think, OK, so I got four kids So let's say, let's assume four of my kids have to travel, you know, let's, I don't even know the comparison as far as miles go, but let's say they have to travel to Dallas to go get food. I would assume that if out of my four, I've lost one already and three go to get food and only two come back, I'd be like, whoa, where's, where's the third one? Well, he's in jail and they won't let him out until we all go back before this man. I'd be like, well, pack the car. Let's go. Let's go. Not Jacob. Not Jacob. Look at what they do. Verse, verse 1 of chapter 43. But the famine continued to ravage the land of Canaan. When the grain they had brought from Egypt was almost gone, Jacob said to his sons, Go back and buy us a little more food. Not go back and get Simeon. Not go back and get your brother. Hey, We're running out of food. How long? I don't know how much of the portions they had, how long that was going to cover them. I know Joseph was very specific in giving them just enough, but that they would run out and have to come back to him. He was setting it up. But here's Jacob like, no, we're not going back. We're not going to go back. But Simeon's back there. He's in jail. And Jacob's like, I can't afford to what? I can't afford to lose my beloved son, Benjamin. I'll lose Simeon, but I can't afford to lose Benjamin. Playing that favorites thing again. It even goes so far as to like waiting until they are to the point where they have no more grain. It is bleak again. Sometimes God works in our lives where... You know, I mean, he can give us little, little shots here and there in the sense of, like, what we need and, and all that stuff. But oftentimes, God is kind of driving us into a position to where, where we finally get to the point where it's like, okay, I have to trust you. I have to trust you. Jacob's not there yet. He's not there yet. A man of faith, a tremendous man of faith. And even with this tremendous man of faith, he is not there yet. He is still relying upon himself. He has wrestled with Jesus He's had an encounter with Jesus. Remember when he touched his hip and it went out of socket? This dude has has had way more experiences, crazy experiences, a ladder from heaven and angels ascending and descending off this ladder. And he still wrestles with this. He still wrestles with this. But he tells his sons, he's like, listen, you guys got to go back and get more food. And and Judah, Judah's going to step up, verse 3. He says, the man was serious when he warned us, you won't see my face again unless your brother, your youngest brother, is with you. If you send Benjamin with us, we will go down and buy more food. But if you don't let Benjamin go, we won't go either. Remember, the man said, you won't see my face again unless your brother is with you. Jacob's reply to his son, ben, to his son uh, Judah, why were you so cruel to me? How could you have done this to me? I'm so disappointed in you guys how could you have hurt me like this? And they're like, what? What?" Well, we went and got food. He's like, why'd you tell him about Benjamin? Why'd you tell him about my beloved son? Verse seven, the man kept asking us questions about our family, they replied. He asked us, is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? So we answered his questions. How could we know he would say, bring your brother down here? They're like, he was just asking these questions. Again, these are alarms that should have been going off in their brains of like, why is this guy, there are thousands of people going to Egypt to buy grain from this guy, and he doesn't say a word to any of them, but he's questioning us about our family. Hey, is your dad still alive? Our dad? That's a weird question. What about brothers? You still got a brother, huh? Is he back home? How does he know about our brother? Why is he asking us these weird questions? I don't know. Let's get our food and let's go. But here, and here's Jacob. He's turning it against his son saying, listen, how could you guys do me wrong? Why'd you tell him about Benjamin? And they're like, it's not our fault. He asked us questions. We answered his questions. It's just this this dysfunction within this family. And again, this is a representation of a family that has lost focus on the Lord. They've lost focus. And this is a family that God is using in a tremendous way, in an amazing way. And that should be encouraging to all of us. Because there will be moments and seasons throughout our lives where it just seems like I don't know what God's doing. I don't know what He's going to do. Seems like a mess right now. It seems like a mess. I mean, I'm sure Jacob's wondering, like, man, I know God promised me this thing, and it seems as though I'm losing sons left and right. How is this going to work out? He's got to be driven to that place where it's just like absolute surrender, to where it's just like, you know what? I just, I don't have control. I don't have control. I have to trust God. I have to trust him. It's a good place when we get there. Nobody likes getting there. Nobody enjoys getting there. Oftentimes we don't even enjoy being there, if if we're honest. But we have to get there. We have to get there. And it is best if we stay there. (laughs) It is best if we stay there. But as the sun's going to set and it's going to rise on a new day and there's going to be a new temptation to be like, "I, I got it. God, I got it. I'm good. All right. Hey, thanks for that. Thanks for giving me that little shot that I needed. Um, But I think I'm good. I think I got it. You know, just don't even worry. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of other people that need your help. Just, uh, I'm good. Like, never get to that place in your life, okay? Because it's not true. It's not true. You're not good. You don't have it. None of us do. But here's this this inner conflict within this family, and they're just like pointing fingers at each other. It's your fault. No, it's your fault. It's not our fault. It's all this stuff. And Judah says to his dad, send the boy with me and we'll be on our way. Otherwise, we will all die of starvation. What do you want? What do you want, dad? What do you want? You're afraid of losing one kid. You're gonna lose us all. You're afraid of losing one. You're gonna lose us all. And Jacob was doing that thing where he is holding on so tightly to this thing that he cared most about And in doing that, you run the risk of losing everything. Everything. I think we understand what that's like, being so afraid of losing something that we will embrace that one thing as if we have total control. And if I just hold on very tightly to this one thing, it'll never leave me, and it'll be just safe and comfortable, and I will be okay. The sad reality of that at times is the fact that, man, we can choke the life out of that thing and we end up losing everything. And this is the place where Jacob is at. And Judah's, Judah's got, he's at this point in time in the story, he's got the, like, the clearest head on his shoulders in the sense of, he's like, listen, send him with me, and we'll go get food, and we'll come back, and we can live, or we all die. Take the risk, take the gamble, send him with me. The alternative is, Jacob, you lose everything. You lose everything because you're so afraid. You're so afraid to trust God. Sometimes it's a hard pill to swallow, right? Because it's like, I mean, I just, I, I go through that. I, I feel like, man, if I can just hold on to things so tightly, somehow I have control and, and it'll be okay. Everything will just be okay. And the Lord's like, listen, man, you're, you're so white knuckled over these things. Just let it go. Are you going to trust me or not? Am I good? Am I faithful? Am I reliable? We know this thing. We know this about God. He cannot lie. It is impossible for him to lie. It is impossible for him to lie. And we should all read the scriptures through that lens because he's made promises to us. He's made promises to us that he will fulfill, and he has fulfilled. So we need to bank on that and, and just trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And again, this is what, this is what Jacob needs. He, he needs just to finally surrender again. He, he already has a messed up hip from earlier in his life. It's like now it, he just needs to surrender again. And praise God he can. Praise God he lets us. Praise God he lets us. Because we're stubborn and we're, you know, we're, we're going to fall back into our ways of like, no, I'm going to rely on my own strength. I'm going to rely on all this stuff and all that. We mess up. We blow it and everything. Praise God, he says, you know what? Just come back to me. Just come back to me. I'm not done with you. I'm not done. Come back. Keep coming back. But I keep falling down. We'll this I'll help you keep getting back up. Just come back to me. He doesn't give up on us. When it feels like he should, if you look back on your life and all that stuff, it's like, man, God, I don't know. I don't know why you care about me the way you do. And I would have given up on me a long time ago. But he's like, I'm not like you. I'm trying to make you more like me in one sense. So I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you. He wasn't done with Jacob. He wasn't done with him. He wasn't done with his family either. Judah goes on to say, I personally guarantee you uh, his safety. You may hold me responsible if I don't bring him back to you. Then let me bear the blame forever. If we hadn't wasted all this time, we could have gone and returned twice by now. Dad. (laughs) He's like, what are we doing? Like, this is nonsense. What are we doing? We could have already been there and back twice. What are we doing? Just just trust Benjamin with me. I like his concern, you know, compared to Reuben. Reuben was like, listen, dad, I got two sons. Send them with me. If he doesn't come back with me, you can kill my two boys. And it's like, what kind of dad are you? Like, hold on. Like, that's horrible. (laughs) Judah's like, listen, send them with me. I will bring them back to you. I will bring them back to you. Judah, in one sense, is having this like, this maturing that's happening. We're going to see this blossom fully and by the end of this story. There's a crazy transformation that is happening in Judah's life at this moment. It's like he's starting to get it, finally. Verse 11, so their father Jacob finally said to them, if it can't be avoided, then at least do this. Pack your bags. Here's the schemer again. Pack your bags with the best product, uh, the products of this land. Take them down to this man, this man as gifts. Balm, honey, gum, aromatic, uh, resin, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Everything that the, the famine hasn't touched. You just send them this huge gift basket. Because what we'll do is, we'll win them over with our stuff. That's Jacob. That's Jacob. That's not Israel. That's Jacob. Load up the goodie bags and all that stuff. Send it to this guy. Perhaps this guy will, you know, will be won over. He says, also take double the money that was uh, put back into your, your sacks as it was probably someone's mistake. Then take your brother and go back to the man. Verse 14, may God Almighty give you mercy as you go before the man so that he will release Simeon and let Benjamin return. But if I must lose my children... So be it. This is the change for him. And this is my encouragement to all of us. If you find yourself in this position where you're holding on to something so tightly and God may be trying to coerce you to say, like, give them to me. Give them to me. You need to be like Jacob, and you should cry out to El Shaddai, which is God Almighty. That's in the Hebrew, it's El Shaddai. Jacob learned that word from his dad, Isaac who had told him the same exact thing before he split and when he was robbing his dad of a blessing. They called on God Almighty. That's what we have to do. If you find yourself in a position where it's like, man, I I just, I can't let go of this because I feel like if I let go of this, I lose all control of this and it's gonna work out to my detriment. Cry out to El Shaddai, God Almighty. Isn't he God Almighty? He is. He is. What was true of him in Genesis 43 is true of him today. He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed his name. He's got lots of names. Praise God for that. All describing different attributes of who he is. This one, Jacob, finally surrenders and says, El Shaddai, may God Almighty, may God Almighty show us mercy. And he comes to this point where he's like, you know what? If this is God's plan for my life, and it's a little dramatic, a little bit dramatic, if God wants me to lose all my kids, so be it. He's still God Almighty. He's still should I? It's best to be in that place within our lives. It's just best to be in that place within our lives. And I know that's scary. Like, that's terrifying ground to step on, where you're like, as if we know everything and as if we know what's going to happen and we have any kind of control over our lives. But to step out there and say, okay, God, I don't know what you want. I don't always understand what you want. I don't, know, I don't even always understand why you're doing what you're doing. But I'm going to step out in faith and say, should I? God Almighty, I trust you. I trust you. And just let it go. Let it go. Let him do what he does best. Because what we don't realize, he's already been moving in Egypt He's already been working this all, this all out. So we can look back at these stories and be like, Jacob, just let him go. It's going to be OK. Yeah, you put yourself in the story. And I'm right there with Jacob saying, I don't think so. No, <laughs> no, I can't afford to lose anymore. I've already lost my one son. I can't afford. He even says, in essence, he, we'll, we'll find that this conversation in greater detailing when Judah retells it to Joseph. But he says, listen, if they take my son, I'm going to die. What's the point of living? It will bring me to my grave. But he does come to the point where he's like, you know what? God is in control, and I'm just going to trust him. So the men packed Jacob's gifts and doubled the money and headed off with Benjamin. They finally arrived in Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the manager of his household, "'These men will eat with me this noon. Take them inside the palace or into his home.'" Then go, slaughter an animal, and prepare a big feast. The man did as Joseph had told him and took them to Joseph's palace. The brothers were terrified when they saw it, or saw that they would be taken to Joseph's house. It is because the money some, someone put in our sacks the last time we were here, they said. He plans to pretend that we stole it. Then he will seize us and make us slaves and take our donkeys. Right, like this is a rationale, okay? This is a guilty conscience at work here, okay? They've been living for 20-something years with this thing about Joseph hanging over their heads. And they're like, We know God's gonna get us. God's gonna get us. Oh, here it is, here it is. Listen, we sold Joseph into slavery. Now this guy is gonna enslave us.
0: Genesis is the beginning of it all. Not just the Bible, but life as a whole. God detailed His creation story in the first few chapters of this book and then went on to reveal His power and glory in the following pages. We learn who He is through this book, what's important to Him, and how He expects us to follow Him. We're so glad you tuned in today for Bread for the Broken to learn from Genesis, and we hope you'll return for our next edition. If you'd like to listen to other messages from this series, visit breadforthebroken.com. We'd also like to invite you to come meet us in person at Calvary Galveston. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. to spend time worshiping God, reading verse by verse through the Bible, and getting to know each other better. When you visit, be sure to find Pastor James and shake his hand. Let him know that you heard him right here on Bread for the Broken. Before our time with you is over for the day, we want to ask for your help. Would you partner with us in prayer? Bread for the Broken is a ministry, and in a way, a mission field. We're reaching people for Jesus through a different kind of medium. And therefore, we need to make sure Jesus is our focus. Would you pray for Pastor James and the team that puts Bread for the Broken together? Pray that we'd all keep our eyes fixed on our Savior and be willing to follow Him no matter where He leads. Thanks for lifting us up in prayer before the Lord. Know that we too are praying for you each day. And thanks for tuning in today to Pastor James' message on Bread for the Broken. We pray that you find hope and new life in Jesus.